Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this is our episode, Cues of the Force. For the last several episodes, I've claimed that Q stands for something other than questions. It's a fun joke, but perhaps it's time to evolve. <laughs> is it time to evolve, or Ken, or am I just being too lazy to come up with another Q word? What What do you think? No, I, I love that it's a struggle every week, and that it's uh, meaning like it's hard for you and I both to say cues and not feel like we're a little on hip trying to be hip. I don't know. <laughs> cues, man. Like cues, you know, yeah. like the kids do. The kids yeah. are doing all the cues these days. Yeah. Anyway, uh, really it's called cues of the force uh, because it used to be news and cues, uh, one show grouped together and cues of the force saves a lot of room when we are typing it up on social media. That's the real reason these days. Anyway, happy to be here. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I've got knapsack. I've got A's for the Q's. That's my line to say every week. It's a catchphrase <laughs> uh, Thursday here, of course. That's right. Ken has absinthe for the Q's. That's it. We'll, <laughs> we'll start making up what the A's mean. Anyway, as always, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Do you have an ancient device like Nemec from Andor that you can make play 
an audiobook? Well, then you can listen there. Uh, we are continuing to recommend Padawan by Kirsten White uh, in Obi-Wan Kenobi, a young Obi-Wan Kenobi adventure uh, that I really look forward to reading past the first chapter. If you want to listen to the whole book, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash center for a free audiobook. All right, we are going to get into our cues. We have two from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon. As always, we go first to Twitter and our old friend Yuval Aisler. Uh, here is what Yuval has to say. Silly, but also kind of serious question. Do you think the Jedi got confused which clone is which? In the Clone Wars series, Yoda said each of them is unique in the Force, but I can't imagine that it wasn't confusing for them or even the clones themselves. Uh, this is a great question uh, <laughs> because obviously there's so much in the Clone Wars about the individuality, the uniqueness. Uh, they're absolute unique individuals, the clones, but their purpose is to be soldiers, right? Uh, rank and file. Uh, so how do you uh, think about this one, Ken? Do you, do you think this is more of a silly question, a serious question, both? Where do you go? I think I, I think it's both, but it's a, it you might feel, and maybe you've all feel this of like you don't want to be insulting by saying it's a silly questions because I think we're all invested in the identity and the journeys of the clones, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm sure a little mistaken identity. Who knows? Maybe there's a sitcom like hijinks episode where two <laughs> clones just exchange places to to uh, you know have some fun at the office. I don't know, um, but I think that the interesting thing behind it is is uh, it could be a litmus test for certain Jedi, mm-hmm. right? You no, know, Pong Krell. He didn't give a damn about what they were. He knew your number, and that's about it. And so, I, you know, not to equate a Jedi to Perrin, Mon Mothma's husband, uh, in Andor, but <laughs> him not knowing the driver, right? Him not paying attention to someone he might view as beneath him. Not that a Jedi would think the clones are beneath them, but maybe there are some Jedi who are like, hey, we're in this war. I'm a general, and and they are tools. And maybe that's part of the journey. That's how you might know uh, a little inner workings of a Jedi and then you got the flip side with someone like Yoda going, you're all unique. Anakin really connecting. I think Kenobi does as well, but Anakin's got a special uh, boots on the ground. These are my brothers uh, and sisters in arms type of vibe. Uh, so that's one way to look at it. Ahsoka as well, the connection, but uh, also mm-hmm. the journey for the clones, right? Like they come out of the tubes, so to speak, and they do look alike. And they are probably feeling this big concept of we are weapons in this war. And as they start to discover that dance, as Rex says, and was a season seven Clone Wars, like we have a weird relationship with the war, paraphrasing, of course, the war is why we exist. But what are we beyond that as soldiers? So maybe that drives them. Maybe there were some mistaken identities and along the way. Someone's like, I don't know. I'm going to get a tattoo because this is who I am. My nickname represents this to see the track of that organically grows. I think it's a very important question. And I think uh, I think some Jedi did to answer the question directly. I think some Jedi did get confused early on. Uh, yeah, I think I think as well. I think there could absolutely be some uh, mistaken identity, uh, some rude moments from Jedi who think they know who a clone is, but use I, the wrong I, name. Um, I think there's definitely uh, some clone hijinks. They have that in them. Uh, we see young Boba Fett use his appearance to uh, infiltrate uh, right. the ranks of the clones and the Jedi to try to get revenge on Mace Windu for the murder of his father. Uh I know strong language that I used murder. I'll say death. I don't want to start any Mace Django controversies <laughs> when we're not directly addressing that question. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so I think that's uh, it's definitely uh, a possibility. I think this is speaking to something that's kind of deep and true, I think, which is why it's so great that you've all kind of said this is silly, but serious, right? Because mm-hmm. you understand the comedy of it. They are designed to be identical. So there's that like, oh, I'm so ashamed. I, I m- mistook your identity. Yes, also, so you've been designed <laughs> yeah. so that people can mistake your identity, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think the, the really interesting thing to me about the clones is that, you know, as an idea of a part of Palpatine's whole manipulation, the one side is going to have the droids and the other side is going to have the clones and the way the clones are presented to us at the end of Attack of the Clones, it's a, it's a defeat it is this image of uh, rigid similarity and militarism, right? Mm-hmm. But then the clones taking on identity, right? Giving themselves nicknames and painting their armor and even getting tattoos and different hairstyles. That doesn't seem to be like in defiance of something. It seems mm-hmm. to happen organically. Yeah. Because the, the clones we meet on Camino who are in still training are talking about growing up, talking about coming of age of 
You know, am I going to make it through these trials? How do I feel about the clones that I was partnered with? The names just seem to happen because in the galaxy of Star Wars, you know, or, organic rules the day, right? Organic mm-hmm. wins. And, it, and it, I like that it isn't like totally in defiance. It's not like some Pong Krell Jedi came along and then a bunch of clones started a revolution. It starts from their earliest days that they mm-hmm. have individuality because it's just, it's true and it's natural. And of course they would. Yeah, yeah, the the organic. Um, I was going to say an organic uprising. I don't know if that's the right <laughs> phrase, but I, I know it's there. Uh, it sounds like a, a grocery store chain slogan. It's an organic <laughs> uprising of fruits and veggies. But yeah, no, I, I really like that idea too. Yeah, um, yeah, could have, could have, you know, Pong Krell, some of the others could have, uh, you know, uh, been there. But I, I like that. Yeah, you're just standing around, especially during the younger days. Yeah, you forget, even though they're they have an accelerated growth rate, even if it was one week, that's one week of your youth sitting around and. And just getting to know each other. And the fact that it's it's truly them as as clones that are the ones who are like, hey, you're 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 you and I know you, uh, and you're me, or I'm me. And 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 from there, the tats, the the armor, everything kind of uh emerges. It's just uh, something that I didn't think a lot of back, say, definitely 2002 and five, but even with the Clone Wars series, but the Clone Wars series was thinking about that. Absolutely, absolutely takes that deep dive into the identities of them. Yeah, one of the biggest points. And yeah, just to answer Yuval's question directly, I think you nailed it. I think the different Jedi have entirely different levels of relationships with their clones. I think as a practical matter, probably all of the Jedi generals know their immediate uh, clone commanders and captains uh, Mm -hmm. names, insignia can can pick them, you know, out of a crowd uh, based on behavior and all that, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Obi-Wan goes a little bit deeper with his relationship with Cody, certainly Ahsoka a- and Anakin. Yeah, I love his story of like, yeah, no, I relate to them and I kind of want to hang out with them. Yeah. <laughs> Rather I, like, I like the clones better than my yeah. fellow Jedi, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Uh, thinks Anakin Skywalker. But then, you know, you've got the the Jedi who are of their time who are a little bit more rigid, right? Like uh, Luminara Unduli or maybe Mace Windu who maybe... Mm-hmm don't take the time to get to know all of their clones in uh in such great detail um so i think that there is definitely a a level of uh difference between the jedi yeah and i'm not super familiar with some of the uh now legends content uh the the clone commander books and all that kind of stuff and and then maybe there's some expression of that too so i want to just acknowledge it and if Mm. you're out there screaming at your uh your (laughs) podcast machine yeah i'm definitely not familiar with it but i I, i'm sure it was explored it's just it's something that's fascinating again it's something i experienced in in, in o2 that clones emerge and by o5 yeah, we know some of them, and and I'm I'm hearing about the five oh first, various all this kind of like, but like I didn't stop to think of it. Uh, they were kind of action figures to me, mm-hmm. and uh, so I love that the series itself, like I said, comes along and answers it because it's it's really intriguing. Some of the most powerful stuff in that Clone Wars series is these clones trying to figure out who they are or or continuing to express who they know they are. Yeah, and I love that that perspective is given to the audience immediately um, mm-hmm. from meeting Rex in the Clone Wars film. The first broadcast episode, Ambush, is the one that Yuval is referencing where Yoda, some of the clones in that are not quite ready to lean into their individuality. And it's Yoda who reassures them, like, you're not cannon fodder. I can see you in the Force. You're all different and unique in the Force. Um, Which leads me to to my last thought on this one, Ken. Um, I I think there's something about this, that this question that's powerful because, uh, it's this weird feeling when you have the intention of respect, but you forget someone's name or you forget where you met them. Right. And the last thing you want to do is disrespect them, but you just, you honestly forgot or made an honest mistake. Right. Mm -hmm. How great would it be able to just reach into the force? (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, you're talking to someone, you know, mostly from social media and like, yeah, yeah, no, right. Right. You're seal pirate five. I remember your Twitter name. I forgot (laughs) your human name. I'm just going to reach into the force and remember your human name. <laughs> I love that. I actually experienced that this uh, past weekend when I was doing the uh, comedy in La Jolla, there was a, uh, you know, they have the door, the door folks and, and uh, they'll either, you know, they'll start the show, they'll alternate. So five shows, five different comics will go up to start the show and do five minutes and get the rules out. And, and uh, two of them, two gentlemen with long hair and mustaches, youngsters in their, in their twenties there looked pretty much the same. And on the Sunday night show, uh, he, uh, one of them walks in, he goes, all right, I'm going to go start the show. And I went, all right, go get him, Connor. And he's like, I'm Christian. I was like, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Damn it. Damn it. 
damn it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I felt I felt like uh, not quite Pong Krell, but I could have been if I chose incorrect. I understand. Anakin Skywalker would never forget his opening comedian's names. <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah so great question very fun to think through we're moving on unless you have any other uh thoughts or or comedy clone uh memories no great question not silly at all loved it not silly at all we go to flalilis skywalker uh flalilis says since boba fett and cad bane came back is there any other bounty hunter you would like to see returning in post return of the jedi stories uh, this is a great question. There's been lots of bounty hunters bopping around in books and comics, uh, but Boba Fett and Cad Bane, uh, to this great question, got to come back in live action on our screens. So um, I, I think we can take this uh, this question to mean on screen, or we can take it to mean in the books, in the comics. Where do you go, Ken? Are there any bounty hunters you are hungering to see? Well, yeah, I, I took this as uh, absolute no disrespect to comics or books, but I took it as, you know, the spotlight, live action, like right. Cad Bane had the day in the sun uh, type of moment here. Um, so on that note, I mean, I, I've gotten some of those already, right? Cad Bane would, would have been on my list uh, and definitely Black Kersantan. And I got to experience that in a major way in the book of Boba Fett, one of my favorite things about that series. So I actually struggle with this a little bit because also I know with War of the Bounty Hunters, there were some fates that maybe I'm not entirely remembering. So I'd love to answer like a 4LOM or a 4LOM if that's uh, how you choose to say it. But here's what I went with right now. Um, in canon, I'm unsure of their fate. So I apologize if they've already been removed from the playing board. But uh, we got IG-11, so why not IG-88? There's got, we, we had a little bit of a hint in the rival of the rivalry. Them. It was acknowledged in some of the descriptions going into Mando season one. Uh, it doesn't factor in the show, um, but I would love to see that. Love to see yeah. That. Would you? I mean, obviously, IG Eleven uh, has a unique voice and a unique mm-hmm. journey. How would you want IG Eighty Eight to be portrayed or differentiated on screen? Um, being, it's funny because IG Eleven starts from the starting point, you know, very rules and, and regulations, so to speak, which was was part of the, the programming thing there. Um, I wouldn't mind it being somewhat similar and not opposites at war, but like they're both like I've had some friends uh, in my past who I've been in the middle and they don't really like each other. But I'm always like, it's because you're the same <laughs> and you see the you see each other, uh, you see your faults in the other person. And maybe that's what's going on here. Uh, my old job, I had two particular friends that it was always every day like I hate so and so. Well, they, they hate you too because you're them. Um, <laughs> so I think maybe that would be uh, what I'd want to see. IG88 is kind of like no, these are I follow the regulations better. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I always love the idea, you know. And I know there's a lot of IG88 uh, uh, legend storytelling, yeah, but I, yeah. I really like the idea idea that IG88 is is very rogue, very militant, very mm-hmm. you know. Um, sure of their droid self so i would love to see ig88 and the great thing with droids is like hey if if ig88 was uh destroyed in some way ig88 can probably be put back together yeah yeah um yeah so i i think i would love to see in live action there's a bunch of different bounty hunters i would love to see in live action but i kind of want to see them the way that we got to see cad bane in black chrysanthemum where they weren't in the background they weren't just we need a bounty hunter to slot in here like they had real perspective right they were tied to the story and the themes um and i think i would like that so the bounty hunters don't kind of get painted with the the cheap cameo brush you know like there's yeah there's meat to their story um so with that in mind uh this character has been featured heavily in uh, books comic books video games but i want a live action just great return to the spotlight and that is bosk uh i yeah yeah. bosk's always been one of my favorites going back to my action figure days my my brother had boba fett and i had bosk i love the growl to piet um Mm. and the character's been developed in really fun ways in the clone wars too um and we have we we know that bosk is around a little bit from the aftermath books uh i would love to see bosk Mm. in live action and some of the things that's been developed for the character in the Clone Wars and in books, um, that the from a certain point of view story in The Empire Strikes Back, Bosk is one of my very, very favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'd love to see Bosk in like a substantive role in The Mandalorian, or if we were lucky enough to get a, a solo, a Lando, Akira, you know, limited series, I would love to have Bosk be a player. 
I love that idea. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Amanda's made that probably more possible than than in the, in the other in the older days there. Um, yeah, it's fun. I, I, I've always loved that you love Bosk because I think I, I always <laughs> overlooked Bosk. I don't know why. I think, and I love lizards. Like I, I've I've had a lot of pet lizards, so maybe it's just I feel Bosk wouldn't you know just live quietly in a aquarium i set up for uh bosk is not quiet yelling in the battlefront game breathe death Uh, that's that's not quiet uh yeah there's just something about the character that's like clearly competent clearly dangerous but almost always uh not winning the day (laughs) (laughs) because they're like too uh, violent too stubborn not thinking through things so I'd love to see Bosk. Um, I'd also, of course, love to see in live action one of my very favorite bounty hunters from the Clone Wars, also in Aftermath, uh, Embo, Embo yeah. the Kyozo. I think uh, Embo would uh, be challenging uh, to realize really well in live action. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd love to do a deep dive. Uh, there's, there's some things with Embo's character of like, clearly he's involved in some jobs that are that are yeah he, he's taking the money for for some some kidnapping some murdering <laughs> yeah. but there's also some no possible nobility to the character so i think there'd be room to kind of explore is he one of these bounty hunters who has a change of heart as he gets older i like that idea would you would you be up following um dengar decades after Return of the jedi when he's starting to become rothgar dang <laughs> absolutely yeah if anybody's not on top of this google rothgar dang a uh, great image from rise of skywalker of just this uh i believe it's in the visual dictionary where mm-hmm. it is confirmed that that's probably a bounty hunter we know who uh kept making some modifications and uh have gone a little too far <laughs> I love that there. Um, one Maddie, I, this is what could not be post Return of the Jedi. Uh, I am definitely up for more Ara Singh content. Um, mm. Love uh, her turns in Clone Wars, uh, played a uh, voice by uh, Jamie King, right? If I remember right. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent uh, uh, character, intriguing, a lot of fans. And then you get her fate revealed in solo. Like, I'm up for that. Whether it's live action or animated, you know, easy, if it's easier to do that. Um, I, I have this idea in my head. Yeah, I know Make Solo 2 is a great idea. Han Solo, a series. Uh, I, I would love, you know, the adventures of Val and uh, Tobias Beckett uh, leading up to the solo mm. stuff and have have that series and then have that fate revealed and just get Orsing back in live action where she began, of course, in Phantom Menace would be interesting for me as well. Yeah, I, I pushed her. It was the fall that killed her. Pretty sure it was the fall that killed her. Is Yeah. It's a great line. She is a fascinating bounty hunter because we have played with all these characters who go through growth or some amount of ambiguity, ambiguity, or I do it, you know, uh, it's a job and I do the job. Uh, She's vicious. Yeah. (laughs) Right. There is fun in having a character of like, hey, so you want a bounty hunter who's just totally uh, Mm -hmm. out for themselves. Absolutely vicious. Uh, The character has been well crafted in the Clone Wars to be that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I don't believe we're going to be getting a, a book of Boba Fett season two. But if you were and you want to have some more uh, flashbacks to points of his life, live action, young Boba, younger Boba with Ara Singh and some of the lessons she was imparting on him and what he feels about them now, uh, it could be, be interesting. Yes, some bad parenting. Uh, Boba <laughs> Fett's bad parenting. I'd watch it. I don't know if other people would be excited. Uh, my final is a bounty hunter that was uh, also introduced in the Clone Wars and uh, in features in Aftermath is uh, Sugi. Um, the Zabrak uh, bounty hunter. Um, And she was very much like, hey, we're not all, you know, monsters. That's like her Mm -hmm. whole sort of banter in perspective with with Obi-Wan and in fights kind of in a noble way against Hondo, uh, victimizing those poor Felucian farmers. That's right. That's right. That's good. Yeah. It'd be great to see. All right. We could spend literally hours listing bounty hunters we would like to see because, to be perfectly honest, it's almost all of them. As long as they are handled well and given their own story and really have a reason to be in the story, show me all your bounty hunters, Star Wars. That's what I say. Any final thoughts, Ken? Uh, No, I agree. Uh, Show me Dengar. Yeah. (laughs) In the transition to Rothgar Deng, a two hour horror film. That would be great. And on that note, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more cues. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And we are back to A some more cues of the force. We go to our questions from our patrons on Patreon. Uh, this comes to us from Social Tortoise. A great name. Social Tortoise says, Hey, my question is. What were your binary sunset moments? What I mean is, what was a time when you were growing up that you just felt so pulled to something greater? They don't even need to seem dramatic. After all, Luke had probably stared at those twin sons thousands of times, so he probably was bored with the sight of them as he was daydreaming of his first steps. Uh, I'm honestly still thinking of mine, but I will get back to it ASAP. Uh, so yeah, after we share uh, ours, I'll check back in on uh, our Patreon post and see if Social Tortoise has shared their binary sunset moments. Uh, Ken, I've had a few of these in my life, some that I was kind of cognizant in the moment of like, hey, I'm having a binary sunset moment. Yeah. Some yeah. that it occurred to me later. So do you have a list in your head? Do you have your binary sunset moments or is it something I, I, you had to rack your brain for? No, I do. And it's funny you mentioned it. It's like, I, I don't think necessary in that moment. I was like, oh, it's just like Luke and New Hope. But I also was aware that it was, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Music's very important in my life, so some of the moments have music uh, in them. And, uh, yeah, and one of them, I, I do remember talking about this in Force Center before. We've been broadcasting for eight years sometimes. Like, uncles at a party, we'll repeat the same stories over and over. Uh, it's just going to happen. Uh, but one of them starts, I, I graduated high school in 1994, uh, June of 94, and I very distinct memory of getting after the graduation ceremony, driving home, going to go out to some parties and celebrate. But I was uh, with my friend who has uh, sadly since passed away, the friend I saw Phantom Menace with actually in 99. Mm-hmm. 
And we got my uh, Fairmont, which you and I both share the uh, joy of our first cars being uh, early 80s Ford Fairmonts. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine, I'd named the Millennium Fairmont because that's the life I led. <laughs> and the Beatles, uh, baby, you're a rich man uh, playing. And the lyrics, you know, now that you uh, know who you are, what are you going to be? And just driving and the sun's starting to set over uh, the central coast of California. I graduated Royal Grande High School. There's this uh, city, they call it the five cities. So they're all connected. But the city called Napomo and the sun, the beaches behind it. And the mm. sun was going down. I just, just remember feeling I am stepping out in the world and I can't wait to step on out. And again, it was one of those, I was like, I wasn't like, hey, I'm just like Luke turning to my friend. It just it absolutely felt that. And that's the power of the Twin Sons moment. And you're right. It's a stretch of road, social tortoise, tortoise that I drove every day, mm. and including during this time of day. But because of the graduation, because of the song playing the moment, I absolutely felt. And I was excited. But like Luke going, I don't know how to get there. I don't know if I belong out there. I don't know. And I don't know what's going to happen. Um, crazy coming up on almost 30 years later. Uh, mm. but it, uh, definitely it's the start of my list. Yeah, uh, I have a not not anywhere near as uh, visually beautiful as yours, but uh, I think that moment is so relatable because I think so many people feel that way um, early, early, you know, in, in their life, late teens, early twenties. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but uh, my bedroom at my parents' home in North Minneapolis. It was in the back of the house, and it had uh, a door to this just tiny little. Uh, balcony that had been added way after the house was built and the uh the balcony wasn't safe to stand on so i had this like whole door with a a screen door that i could open to the outside uh, particularly in the summer um but i I couldn't even step out on the balcony that was how trapped i felt (laughs) i literally can't take my first step into the larger world because i will maybe uh, fall through and you know crack my head open on the fridge which was what was under it on the first floor um but i would stay up you know really late uh, and this is in you know my my late teens uh stay up really late um working on like uh listening to records and and working on paintings i had set up a uh, a a showing in in a just a small coffee shop that was like my i'm i'm going to take a step out into the world i'm going to make paintings that are actually going to hang up somewhere and people are going to see them and like that pushing to try to be a part of the world and to see mm-hmm. you know how the world is going to respond to you and i was so eager and so wanted to you know get out of there and i remember many nights at like about 2 a.m it just like there's next to no sounds maybe a siren far away just high Mm -hmm. enough to kind of see over the treetops and just staring out at the world and wanting to go be a part of it and wondering what all was out there and Mm -hmm. realizing that oh this is like luke yeah (laughs) that's why i like that moment so much i'm i'm luke skywalker and you know follow up with like I don't want stormtroopers to come to my house, but I want to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's why we keep coming to look back to the series every week. There's a lot of lessons to take from it, but without a doubt, I, I contend that that twin sons moment is, 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 is the reason it struck a chord in a, in a generation in 77 and continued to do it over and over again. It's a whole different movie. If you don't just have that, that mm-hmm. moment of poetry, right. That just makes you feel all those things. It's, it's yeah. so powerful. Uh, it sounds like you have some more binary sunset moments throughout your life. Yeah, I wanted to run through because uh, the one graduating high school is kind of positive, right? I was always kind of a bittersweet, somber kid, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, in my feelings all the time. So that one, but, but it was hopeful. But I, I've had the other moments that were big changes in life. Uh, um, uh, in uh, right after high school, I got into my radio career. I worked at this radio station, Caber 95, my hometown. And I, for a while, I'd lost my spot on the morning show, got laid off. Mm. But I, I decided to stick on. They offered me to move to the overnight shift. And, and I, this was like 97 into 98. And I, I knew, I knew a change needed to happen. And, and, and that feeling from, Oh, I want to be part of a larger world. Well, here I'm in my hometown. I had a radio career, but like it, this wasn't necessarily where I wanted to be right now. And it was like three in the morning ish. Uh, our station had big windows. Uh, you could pull back the curtains and, and look out into uh, the town. And my, my town, very small town, it looked out on Grand Avenue, which every town has, right? Grand Avenue. We had an Elm Street, which is why those movies scared me. Uh, and it was like three in the morning. I don't remember the song playing, whatever rock was playing. I just remember staring out. And it was the opposite of Twin Sons. It was like one moon. <laughs> it was just <laughs> the coldness of the town and me feeling like, uh, I, I want out, but this is the, the the part of that Twin Sons scene. And it's, I always say it's like a three-part, uh, you know, uh, song there. And the middle part is 
uh, is Luke doesn't feel like he can leave. He feels like he's stuck. And that's what I felt there. And that drove me to make some changes. And then not a, you know, not with stormtroopers coming to take out my family or an old space wizard, but I lost my job completely like a month later. Mm. Uh, woke up, was going to LA to see an Oasis concert, got a call from my uh, general manager saying, sorry, we're, we're laying you all off. And a lot of fear with that. This is uh, January, 1998. And so August of 98, I do move to LA. 22 and driving over the 118 freeway at Rocky Peak, which is about five minutes from where uh, um, uh, a Tython is. And, <laughs> and that landscape, so familiar with that episode of The Mandalorian there, um, that is that is right off the 118 freeway. And so the other side of that is this area called Rocky Peak. And driving over, I think my parents were trailing me with my, my you know, suitcases and stuff. I'm moving to LA and I'm in my Plymouth Colt. Fairmont had, had passed on at this point. <laughs> and again, that feeling and coming over the 118 freeway at that point is kind of high in the hills over this peak. And you look down into the San Fernando Valley. You can kind of see in the distance the hill that uh, Hollywood is on the other side of. And here it is. I'm making that big move. And I had that feeling. This is the world out there. I do not know who's who is out there for me. I don't know what is out there for me, but I I I I have taken that step into a larger world. Mm. And then the tag on that is, you know, seventeen years later, I get stuck in a day job. I had a lot of wonderful experiences in the business, comedy, uh, working at the Groundlings with great folks like Mikey Day and Kristen Wiig, and doing all those kind of wonderful, fun things. But I still wasn't what I wanted to do. My late thirties just felt that a lot of it was slipping away and I take the big leap to go work for screen junkies and everything. And one of the first things we do is go to New York and I, I never traveled to New York and I always wanted to travel to New York mm. again, uh, a wretched hive of scum and villainy. I wanted to be there. <laughs> and finally, one of my first duties after getting hired as a, as a producer producer there is we went to New York comic-con and it was my first trip to New York and me and Dan Murrow walked around the city and a lot of fun and we f- flew out. And I just remember having, it's like the reverse. I just started this job. I was like 39, new lease on life and flying out over New York and the sun is uh, setting and I got some music playing in my ear and it felt like the twin sons again. And that's, mm-hmm. I think part of it too, is even you go to Luke uh, in uh, uh, Last Jedi, Luke on Octel. He's already had one twin sons moment and we know the one that kind of ends his life. But I think there's another point Um where he probably looks at it again and goes, you know, I got to step back out here or I get a chance to do it again after all the lessons and all the failures mm. and I can kind of rediscover who I am. That was me in 2015, uh, having a, a new twin sons moment. So, uh, we all can have that. Yeah. Oh, this is, this is great. Uh, you and I, I think, uh, maybe in similar points of reflection, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, the, the other moments I thought of were, were kind of similar, similar points along the journey, uh, yeah. for me. Um, once I had kind of been in college for a while, been doing some visual art uh, and been doing some writing, kind of fell into doing uh, comedy uh, and sketch comedy and, and writing things with uh, some friends, but uh, with my brother in, in particular and really deciding like, oh, that's the thing that speaks to me the most, this immediacy of being in front of an audience. And, you know, mm-hmm. after, you know, growing up with uh, lots of uh, the stereotypes of, of people our age of being picked on for being skinny, for being uh, nerdy, uh, all those things to kind of feel like this is a way to step into myself, to be on a stage and, and mm-hmm. just, you know, be, be loud and proud and uh, confident. And I so wanted to make a career of it. And there is a weird uh, theater in Minneapolis that is still there. Uh, I'm sure I've mentioned it on the show uh, called Bryant Lake Bowl. It is a restaurant, a bowling alley, a bar, and a theater all in one. And it had already been there for a long time uh, by the time this was this was happening. Uh, some people recognize it because there was this amazing drone uh, footage that came out a couple of years where it swooped through uh, this restaurant and this bowling alley, and it followed one of the balls. That's Bryant Lake Bowl. You can Google it, and you can take a, a drone flight through it. It doesn't quite go into the theater. Uh, it just buzzes by it. Um, anyway, uh, been doing... Uh, comedy and theater for maybe two years uh, and had tried to apply to get into the Bryant Lake Bowl. And it was in like, at the time to me, like the cool neighborhood. It was the place to be. And I'd been turned down a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And then finally uh, somebody said yes to a show. uh, And we had our tech rehearsal and I got there really early. I got there earlier than even the techs. (laughs) So I ended up 
on this stage by myself and like just walked onto the stage that I've been sort of coveting for, for two years. Yeah. And yeah. it was like inside and on a stage, but it was much like you're talking about of that moment where like, okay, this is that step beyond what, what Luke yeah. has that sunset moment where you're be, you, you've taken literally your first step and now you're beginning the adventure. And I remember just like that, this moment just sinking in, it wasn't just like, great, I did it. It was just, it had this, this moment of like, uh, I'm going to remember this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, cause this is, this is significant. And I went on to perform at that, uh, theater again and again and again, uh, many, many times, many different shows, uh, over the years, many adventures, uh, with, uh, friends, family, people I was dating, <laughs> it became a big part of my life so I always kind of treasure that I had that twin sons moment at the beginning of that adventure marking that I this is going to be an important place in my life this is going to be an important part of my life and it was and it was Mm. yeah Yeah. Mm. and then final one which I'll make quick because we were having a lot of uh, fun on our our sunset moments I'm really glad that you scared uh, shared not scared shared your your screen junkies uh, (laughs) story (laughs) Uh, these are uh, scary moments as well that you shared your screen junkies moments because I think it's so important to real life into the story of Star Wars that uh, uh, we are almost always coming of age (laughs) Uh, and my wife and I last year yeah last year Uh, went to Sequoia National Park and we took this hike up to this place uh, called Sunset Rock. uh, And it was in some ways the most Star Wars experience I've ever had because we just had it on a map that, oh, there's a a good viewpoint where you can kind of look over the park. And there kept being like little breaks in the trail. Like, is that it? And then we passed Mm -hmm. some people coming down. We're like, are we at Sunset Rock yet? And they're like, "Um, no, (laughs) you will know when you're at Sunset Rock. Because we just thought it was like, it's a path. There's a break in the trees. There's a, a rock with a face on it or whatever. Yeah. Turns out we we open this clearing and it is massive exposed boulders that you walk on, like, mm-hmm. you know, six or seven, like just huge to the point where you step out on them. And it is the closest I've ever been to feeling like I'm stepping on alien terrain. Like this mm-hmm. is a planet made of rocks. Wow. Um, so, you know, Sarah and I spent some, my wife and I spent some time up there and, you know, we took pictures. Uh, there was a stick that people had been drawing things in the sand. So I tried to draw some meaningful things in the sand. And I just really remember we were both like, well, we should head down as the sun was just starting to set on Sunset Rock. And I had like a, a real twin sunsets moment of like kind of just staring out and thinking like there is so much life out there. There is so much still to experience. Mm. And I had a like sort of like, I'm not done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, uh, twin sunset moment of there's a lot in our culture. I, I think it's changing. I hope it's changing. But that like life is to be lived in your 20s and 30s and then just sort of pined for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For the rest of your life. There can be a lot of ageism where like, well, you're done, you know. Yeah. Um, and I had this moment of just sort of joyful defiance of. I'm not done. There's still lots I want to do. There's still lots I want to explore and, and damn it, I'm going to. There you go. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. No, and look, this is why I, I can say it again, but this is why, you know, I, I sometimes even get a little grumpy. People are like, well, this is that. Like we don't, Four Center is not a review channel. We discuss Star Wars and we take it and put it into our hearts and our lives because that's why we keep coming back. And so anyone out there listening, what are your twin sons moments? Reflect on them, find them. And you'll, you'll even become more connected to, that little farm boy on Tatooine. Yeah, exactly. And then that Jedi master uh, yes. staring off uh, to the next adventure at the end of mm-hmm. The Last Jedi. Such a beautiful moment. Uh, love hearing these stories. And yeah, if you want to share yours, we always love hearing how Star Wars uh, affects everybody. So yeah, please, Social Tortoise, uh, share your adventures when you think of yours, your sunset, uh, binary sunset moments. All right, we're on to our final question. This comes to us from Brian Babcock. Uh, Brian has a main question and a bonus question. Uh, So we go first to Brian's main question. Brian says, hello, Joseph and Ken. We know that Palpatine's plan to wipe out the Jedi and overthrow the Republic more or less proceeded as he had foreseen. Insert evil cackle. My question is, given that old Palpy was a master at strategy and planning and had backup plans for the backup plans of the backup plans, do you think there's any chance that if the Separatists were winning the war, 
Palpatine would have used them to become the new power of the galaxy. Say if the battle droids were more effective or the clones were less effective and the Septs were winning most of the battles, would Palpatine have altered his plans to have the Separatists take over the Republic and the battle droids overwhelm and eliminate the Jedi? If so, would he let Dooku be Chancellor while Sheev ruled from the shadows? Or would he find a way to slither his way into being the emperor of the new Separatist government and have Dooku taken out? Or, no matter what the scenario, were the Separatists, Grievous, and Dooku always doomed to lose even if they won? Mm. Obviously, this is more of a what-if scenario, but I thought it would be fun to speculate on. Mm. Uh, This is uh, very fun to think about exactly what Palpatine's plan is. Did he have plan A? Did he have plan B? Uh, Was plan B unacceptable? Let's find Mm. out. What are your thoughts, Ken? Yeah, you know, trying to... I hate this. I love getting trying to get into the mind of Sheev, which is scary to to think about and maybe <laughs> scary to do. Uh, so I'm trying to start the simplest answer I, I have for some of it, which is all right, if the Separatists win, uh, I don't think Dooku gets any promotion because uh, that's all Sheev's. The glory be to Sheev has got to be part of the, all his plans. I think he absolutely has a def- bunch of plans. Definitely has some different playbooks. All roads lead to his ego. All roads lead to his power. And I think there was something he would need to be in the front. And um, I don't know if that was, you know, it was that any kind of uh, agreement uh, on Dooku's side. Like, hey, if if, if Separatists win, um, you you get a certain spot or or I, I move out of you. I don't know. But that's where I start with him. But there's something I like about the Separatists just were never going to win. And that was part of it. I, I And what I, where I go, Joseph, is what's easier to sell at the end of it? Mm-hmm. Um, again, you're out there in the field. You can't necessarily control the battles. Uh, Grievous and Dooku seem to be playing to win, playing for keeps. Uh, but what's the easier message to sell? Is it the fear of the great other to the Republic? And we've ended that threat and you don't want that fear to be realized again. So let me get you this safe and secure society. Is that the easier message to sell or, hey, separatists take over and I will always, uh, guide you forward to uh you know an honest and true society i don't know i don't know what's easier you know what I'm, you know what i mean mm-hmm. with that um and i that's why i think it might have been engineered a little bit all roads leading to the republic winning yeah that's what i uh, that's my big answer is i think the ideology of the win matters um mm-hmm. exactly as you're saying and i, I want to put a pin in that for a second because there, there's so much other fun things I, I think if you look at the evidence of like the actual clone wars animated series i think there's phases of the war where he's like great we got it going all the chaos and all the violence benefits me and sometimes like hey yeah i send my republic troops out and i kind of like them to win yeah the separatist one what, what are you gonna do what fine you- because right now my my main goal is to just get everybody absolutely in a tizzy and hey if something comes up like ooh, i didn't know about that zillow beast i would yeah. like that then then suddenly palpatine has like a specific uh subquest uh within yeah. his big plan of uh chaos and violence but i think the separatists were always doomed to lose i think dooku was always doomed uh to be uh replaced um maybe maybe if dooku defeated anakin maybe palpatine would be like well damn i was wrong <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah keep keep dooku around until he's while he's still valuable um i think grievous might have been spared because i think grievous was a, a blunt tool who was easily manipulated right uh grievous was never going to be a threat to uh to palpatine uh i think the separatists in terms of the corporations uh like the trade federation and the corporate alliance and wat tambor and and all those people i think they were always doomed because i don't think that i think palpatine sold them the lie of like uh i'm gonna free you from all this red tape where the (laughs) republic is trying to contain what you can do as a corporation and really, he was going to be. I'm going to nationalize the corporations. I'm galaxy, galaxy eyes. However, they say it. Uh, I will be taking over your corporations. So those yeah. people were always screwed. Um, then I think the the uh, political idealists, uh, to <laughs> quote uh, Kiati Mundi, the people like Mina Bonteri, who are like the Republic is actually failing. It, it it's yeah. caught up in red tape. Look at what happened on Naboo and. It was only because Amidala acted that they were freed. Otherwise, they would have been subjugated. The Republic's failing. Uh, mm. And those sincere, valid concerns were manipulated. Those people were also always doomed, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mina Bonteri, first and foremost. 
Yeah, and I think that's, to me, the most compelling sort of evidence from the Clone Wars animated series is we can see Sidious step in when uh, the Separatists were in a risk of uh, having some sort of success in a way that he did not want to, right? Want mm-hmm. them to, right? Mm-hmm. When Asajj Ventress is getting too powerful, Sidious is like, take her out, Dooku. Um, Correct. When Mina Bonteri and Padme almost succeed in opening up peace talks, she's got to go, right? Yep. Um, so I think that the Separatists to him were always a tool, and I think it is about he himself wanting the power, uh, mm-hmm. not just as a figurehead, but to be the power. Mm-hmm. But more than anything, I think it is so about the ideology that is created by the Republic winning. Uh, mm-hmm. The separatists are the proof that there are scary outsiders, unwanted others. The Jedi rebelled too. There might be threats to our society lurking within our society. And in order to stop them, you need a strong, militant government. And these others, these scary outsiders that might be lurking within us, not only do they require order uh, and like literal vigilance of the empire watching over you, but we know that they're so awful, they're so violent, that any violence the empire does is, of course, justified because Mm -hmm. those those uh, dangerous others lurking within are so awful. So anything that we do is justified. And then to top it all off, uh, we need a strong leader who is not going to get caught up in red tape and is willing to do what is needed to save you. Um, I think it's one of the big points that Lucas is making. This Mm -hmm. is um, an ideology of, of fear and control that we see happen in the real world. And I think what you were saying, Ken, is, he he gets an ideology he does not want if the separatists win right yeah yeah if the separatists win and, and the figures you know like uh you know mina bonteri had survived and said like great we didn't want to fight this war but now that we have we're going to create a society that's better uh because mm-hmm. our victory means the republic was broken there was too much red tape we didn't work together we didn't respect one of you know some planets independence as much as we should so now let's do that let's have a government of hard work and hope that is the last <laughs> thing sidious wants right let's yeah. have a government where there are more people at the table sidious does not want that government he wants a government of fear and control not hope and hard work yeah, I, uh, I give you. I promise you, hope and hard work. Is that yeah? That's not the same. Yeah, it's yeah. It's a lot more work. A lot more uh, sighing on his part. Yeah, yeah. Well said. And look, I, I think that's uh, what we, um, as we always be careful to say, it's one of the things we enjoy about the story of Palpatine is his ability to adapt on the fly. Padme's always a fly in the ointment. There, always doing things that he just. Uh, doesn't account for. I think uh, the rebellion does things he doesn't account for. And that's part of uh, the fun of rooting against Palpatine. So I think there's some room to wonder if the separatists had, uh, you know, got some uh, advantage, what would he have done? But I think, uh, yeah, trip mines were always in place to to maybe make sure that didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very fun to get into the frightening mind of Sheev Palpatine, Darth Sidious. Uh, we're going to move on to this bonus question. Uh, the bonus question is, do you think we might see Moss Gideon or Tarkin in Andor? If Gideon makes an appearance, I think it would be a good opportunity to show us how he was perceived by the higher brass of the Empire. Would he be feared and respected or mocked as a pompous zealot who thought himself far superior than he was? This mm. is some great Gideon thoughts. Uh, Ken, let's just start uh, with the the main thrust of Brian's question here of if an appearance from Gideon or Tarkin in Andor is likely. How do you feel about that? I think um, Gideon, I'm going to say very, very unlikely. Um, but I do put a pin in this. I, I do want more Gideon, uh, younger Gideon content, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Um, Tarkin is possible in that second season, just the way it seems like they're going to approach it, racing towards Rogue One and jumping ahead on the timelines. Uh, do they want to revisit uh, that with the, the on the technology side? And maybe it's mm. even better or easier. I, I don't know. I would be open to it it's one of those things that just for for tarkin just kind of make sense in andor um whether or not they want to use that piece the galaxy is big the rebellion right now is broken and wide and spread out so uh you might not need tarkin to tell part of that story there's enough villains in that empire but as you move closer i i, I kind of hope you, you see it or at least get a reference tarkin doctrine you know, tarkin towns all those kind of things we kind of hear in rebels i think would have a place in andor um, 
Yeah, I love the these are great Gideon thoughts, which is why I do want more Gideon content. A little bit more in his past. When did he um kind of jump off? When did he think uh you know the Empire here here's why they failed and here's what I can do better? Um I just don't know. Yeah, I just don't have um he he could fit in there. Again, anyone from the Empire could fit into Andor, including Palpatine himself. Mm-hmm. I um I don't see the the need, I guess I'll I'll say that. I just don't see the need for him and Andor yet. Yeah, yeah. I think it's possible that tiny, tiny speck, uh, uh, Pixel Palpatine was perhaps in the background of the yeah, Mon right, Mothma right. scene. We, we have hope. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I know uh, uh, Brian is not asking about Krennic, but I think Krennic is a possibility because I think Gilroy mm-hmm. is interested in the characters that he had a hand in, in developing. I think uh, Tarkin is a possibility, particularly the second season. Uh, I think it would be just kind of interesting on an almost thematic level to see not even necessarily a one-on-one encounter, but uh, uh, Mothma has a mission, Tarkin has a mission, and we're following agents, uh, you yeah. know, following these leaders. Uh, I think that it would be an interesting possibility. Uh, given Rogue One, it, it does seem like the uh, estate of Peter Cushing is is okay uh, yeah. with him being, uh, his image being used for the character. So I think yeah. that's um, a possibility. I do think there's a really low chance of Gideon myself, a very, very low chance i think it's from a storytelling perspective yeah he he's around and and functioning in the empire one would assume maybe not but one would assume uh so it does make some sense this is just one of those ones for me where it, it just feels like the real world there's uh too much parallel development going on in the creation of the andor television series and the mandalorian verse mm-hmm. um and i think tony gilroy seems like a creator who's like i really want to tell uh this I really want to tell this story uh, with these chess pieces that I can, that I have permission to move around (laughs) Mm -hmm. the way I want to move around for my story. And I think uh, I've said it before. I think that Favreau really wants elbow room with the Mandalorian stories too. I think that's why the visual dictionaries uh, got taken out of release. I think that's why a novel about Din Djarin's past got taken out of release. I think that John Favreau really wants that elbow room. So I don't even think it's like, like they're, I don't even mean it of like Tony Gilroy and John Favreau can't cooperate. I just feel like in the time frame that these were being made, they don't necessarily know the answers of who this character is and what he's doing. And it, it, the, the character is being developed at the exact same time by two different creators who are kind of building two different uh, sections of the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. 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 Young Moff, uh, young Gideon's uh, uh, first day on the job. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows, maybe this will be one of those uh, really great times where in the future we get a question of like, what was something you were really wrong about? Maybe I will remember this day. Yeah. yeah, Uh, But yeah, the young Gideon, it's it's fascinating because we do know that he uh, was in charge in some way of silencing the rebellion on Mandalore. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So we know that he was uh, higher up. He's a moff. Right. Uh, was he a Moff or did he decide after the fact? No, they know him as Moff Gideon, right? Uh, from back in the day, that name uh, rang out uh, to Mandalorians. Um, but uh, how do you, do you, do you like the idea that he was feared and respected? Like, wow, like we, we've lost a lot of great leaders in Thrawn and Tarkin, but uh, mm. that Gideon, he he's a keeper. Or were there people who just thought like, hey, have you noticed that that uh, that Gideon guy is always like explaining like every blaster. He's always talking in a weird, threatening way. <laughs> he's always I, monologuing. Are, are people like, Oh geez, I don't want to be in a meeting with Gideon. I, I kind of like that. I like that because there's something about five years after the events of return of the Jedi, uh, four years or so from Jakku that there's this guy who kind of is like, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it my way. And it's a little messy and I got people that follow me and it's definitely extreme. It's definitely on the fringe to where the the Republic, the new Republic is still maybe uh, getting more information on it. And that no, no one, uh, no one's around that used to make fun of him or doubt him, question him. They're gone. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't good enough. And we don't know the details. We know the story, but he wasn't necessarily good enough to get the contingency plan invite to the unknown regions. Right. Mm hmm. Uh, that could be incorrect. Maybe he turned it down. Maybe they lost in the in, in the mail. I don't know. But so the fact that he is uh, maybe a, a little bit of a mess up, maybe you know, they they too extreme, whatever. And which it seems weird to say for the empire, but you know what I mean. Like the fact that he's still here, he's left behind, and he has all this room to play. I kind of like that idea. Yeah. Well, in that he's yeah, 
yeah, it, I love how murky it is of like how much his faction is uh, connected with the mm-hmm. uh, you know the the cultists on Exegol. How much of that does he know? Uh, is yeah. he aware that um, while he's around here, there's some other stuff going on in the unknown regions with other uh, imperial factions? All that stuff is, I'm yeah. sure, will all 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 become clear at, at some point. But yeah, I think when I really think about it, I think feared. Uh, but also maybe mocked for being, yeah, a pompous zealot, uh, as uh, yeah. as Brian puts it. Because yeah, I think you know you meet some higher ups, like in the original trilogy, like uh, like Piet, right? Mm-hmm. I think Piet's a loyal officer, right? But this yeah. is this is the military. This is the you know, Imperial Navy, and he has an officer. And there's this kind of etiquette at a dinner table, and he's mm-hmm. uh, got his retirement plan, and you know he's doing his a proper job. Vader's a little weird. It was scary to see the back of his head. Uh, that's not my business. I don't want to know about it. Okay. I am I am a proper officer. And I think Gideon's an obsessive true believer, right? Like mm-hmm. Piet's not going into Mandalore and making real weird speeches about what is the meaning of their culture, what is the meaning of their defeat. Like Piet's just like I had yeah. a job to do and I did it. What are you going on about, Gideon? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. You shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would love now to see uh, uh, Gideon and Piet uh, having lunch together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of uh, episode seven of season two, The Believer, right? Yeah. It, 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 it have that with them. No no firefight, but just have uh, Piet be like, what are you rambling on about, sir? Yes. Did you just explain the meaning of the food we're eating to me? All right. All right. I know it's an e-web blaster. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great question and great bonus question any final thoughts ken uh no wonderful stuff love the big what ifs a lot of fun yep so thank you to everyone for the questions uh brian social Yuval, and Phyllis. thank you as always for the great questions i had recently put out a new call on twitter it's pinned to the top of our twitter page uh, and I recently refreshed our request for questions on Patreon as well. Lots of great questions coming in that we'll be getting to in the coming weeks. Thank you all. And if you haven't asked a question yet and you want to, that's where you can find them. I also recently uh, refreshed our call for a power of the light side entries. Uh, I'll be checking soon. And if we have any of those submissions from our patrons on Patreon, just sharing uh, something that you love about Star Wars, a happy moment of Star Wars, uh, something to fuel the light side, we'd be happy to share those as well. But that is it. Ken, where can people find us? You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Join us there for live Q&As and more podcasts available on a lot of different spots, including iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Just search, you'll find us. We do have some merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. Follow me at KedNapsock. Go to my website, catnapsock.com, for information other things I do. I have uh, got a comedy gig coming up in Seattle on the 28th, and I'll be appearing in my hometown. I'm part of the Central Coast Film Society's big event this year, kind of an all-day uh, a con, if you will, but uh, speeches, panels, those kind of things, more information coming, but I will be up there in my hometown, maybe for more Twin Suns moments <laughs> as I go up there. So more information on my website. Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok as at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com with links to all the other stuff I'm doing. As I've been talking about the last few weeks, uh, I am being uh, more active on YouTube. So if you want to check out, uh, subscribe, watch uh, some comedy videos of all kinds, you can just go to YouTube and Google Joseph Scrimshaw. Uh, and if you want to learn a little bit more about some of the new adventures I'm embarking on, I kind of widened uh, my Patreon from being just a support of my podcast obsessed to supporting a lot of the other things I do. So if you're at all interested in that, you can check it out at patreon.com slash Joseph Scrimshaw. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for whatever Moff Gideon's binary sunset moment is, this has been Cues of the Force. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.